0: Welcome back to the American Writers 100 Pages at a Time podcast. In each episode of this podcast, I look at a small slice of American writing using the Library of America as my source material. And in this episode, I will be completing my look at Willa Cather's novel, uh, The Song of the Lark. The Song of the Lark was written in 19... or published in 1915, uh, it's part of the Great Plains Trilogy, which includes the novels old Pioneers and My Antonia. I think I've been pronouncing that wrong. I, I've just read My Antonia, and there's actually a footnote where it says, this is how you pronounce this. So it's um, Antonia. Um, anyways, uh, and I'm looking at the, all, all these early novels of old Catherine in this series. So I'm. it's actually been a while since I sat down to record the previous three episodes on The Song of the Lark. I ran into some things I I had some grading to do at the end of the semester Um, actually my last semester teaching college for probably quite a while Be soon moving to China to teach um, AP world history Uh, trying to make the big bucks for for a little while Um, so that, that's that's uh, kind of a significant change in my life. Um, but then I, I ran into some like freelance jobs that I couldn't turn down. So that, that kept me kind of off uh, from reading this literature for a little while. And I couldn't do any recordings for almost a week. So it's been a while since I read this stuff. So I'm going to have to be a little bit more general in my comments. I, I mean, normally what I'll do is I'll, I'll read it and then I'll go back through and, and take some notes and that's usually pretty easy to do if I had just read it not long ago. Uh, and then I'll do a recording. Uh, but, you know, I didn't get a chance to take my notes for the last part of the Song of the Lark. And so I'm kind of have, you know, I went back and I wrote down some things, but I'm going to do this a little bit more in general terms, which is fine, I think, because we're at this point where the, the novels reaches ends. And I think it's, it's usually this time where I'll talk more about thematically about the whole story. Um, so anyways, you can go back and listen to my previous three episodes on the Song of the Lark. But basically, this novel is about uh, a young woman, uh, Thea Kronberg from Colorado, and how she grows up and becomes a musician. Um, and the things that f- that force her to leave her town of Colorado, well, not really force is the wrong word, but uh, encourage her to really find a bigger venue for developing her talent. So after a potential suitor dies in a train accident uh, and leaves her some money, she's able to then go to Chicago. Um, this changes her life significantly because up to that point, she probably would have been a a local musician who maybe would be like a teacher or a tutor for for music. But by going to Chicago, she's going to have the chance to really make it. In 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 her life in her in her youth much more important than it seems her family are some of the people in the community she grows up in and it's called moonstone colorado and these are uh dr archie uh who's really been there throughout her life very much in love with her at least as kind of in a a paternal sense or a platonic sense then you have ray kennedy who's the man of the train the train engineer who died in, a, in an accident and left her this money. He wanted to marry her at some point. And then you have this like uh, a man from the Mexican community there called Spanish Johnny. And he's he's kind of gives a different window into music. And then you have her music tutor, um, Professor Wong. And these are all the people in, in her. And her actually her family, she's got a, a, a newborn uh, brother, Thor, but her family is kind of more aloof from her life compared to these other educators. So I think this novel has interesting things to say about education and how we raise kids and, and maybe the limits of the family in kind of creating creative, interesting, active people. I don't know, I'll say more about that a little bit later. So then she goes to Chicago and she, she has a very good relationship with her, her teacher there. A man named harsani but he's a you know she was learning piano at the time and he realizes partially because uh, she's working on the side singing funerals and singing and you know church services and stuff and this was how she kind of made her money to pay her rent and pay for her lessons he listened to this and he found that she actually should be a singer and she's got a very unique and distinctive voice and he basically says you should be an opera singer and so he sends her off you know he doesn't want to because she's a good student but he sends her off to uh uh you know a singing teacher she's not very happy there she's very frustrated there and she ends up having to really play accompaniment a lot for his other students but she does meet uh, a man fred fred ottenberg um, who's going to be sort of pretty much the love interest of her of her life in her in her young adult years she finally reaches a breaking point where she needs to take a little bit of a, a hiatus from her her singing. So she goes to actually Oldenburg's ranch out in like Arizona. And she kind of lives with the Anasazi, like old Anasazi uh, cliffside homes and stuff. So it's kind of a really cool experience for her. And she kind of has this experience with deep history. And while she's there, Ray comes to join her at some point and they have moments together and they start to develop a romant- an overt romantic relationship. And certainly marriage is, is clearly um, in the plans. Unfortunately, Fred has a wife already and they're estranged. His wife basically had a mental breakdown and you know is, is in a kind of a mental institution, but he's still technically married to her and he can't really divorce her given the, the status of her mental health. So he's sort of stuck with this wife, so he can't really marry Thea but anyways he's he's still interested in her um, romantically Uh, and then but while she's in in the southwest she has a kind of an epiphany where she realizes that she really has to commit to her art and to her music and therefore she makes the decision to go off to Germany to to pursue her her career as a that's an opera singer and you know and that's where you have to go if you really want to be at the top of the uh, top you know the top notch she just she's not going to half ass it anymore in chicago right and just struggle through she's going to like fully go in and fully commit to the art and so that that with that decision and what that in the consequence of that of that for fred who realized that if she goes to germany he's going to lose you know the woman he's going to love you know that's the crisis we're at um, when we come up to the last quarter, last hundred pages or so of of the novel. So in the in the last hundred pages of the novel that I, I read for this episode, we have two parts, and one the, the one part is very short. It's called Doctor Archie's Venture, and this is really about her reconnecting with her hometown, which she does a, a few times throughout the novel, but she gets more aloof each time. In fact, this aloof like In earlier in the novel, she went from Chicago to visit for like the summer, her hometown, and you know later on she goes to the Southwest. She doesn't even go to Moonstone anymore, and here she actually calls Doctor Archie to New York to help her out, and so it's a. You see her getting more and more aloof from from her hometown, and that's kind of a theme I think of the novel, particularly is how art breaks us up from our roots. And this is something that came up a lot actually in the Troll Gardens. In fact, I think that's the major theme of the Troll Gardens is this inaccessibility of modern of of art of the modern world, of high art, to kind of these very parochial small towns in the West, right? Now still you have modernity coming in, and that's represented in this novel really by characters like Ray Kennedy and the Railroad. All right, so you see modernity coming in in an economic and technological sense. However, it's still, you know, they don't really understand art quite much, quite that well. And it's something they don't appreciate, you know, like. The way she was being raised to maybe be like a music teacher, a piano teacher, right? And not really cultivate her art. And it really took an outside force, the death of Ray Kennedy, to push her to Chicago. She wasn't going to get that support from her family. This is a theme that comes up so much in the Troll Gardens, and I think it's here too. And I'll, granted, she, in the final part of the novel, she is going to come back as an accomplished musician to her hometown. But it's debatable if she's coming back as Thea Kronberg or if she's coming back as someone else. Um, anyways, um, Dr. Archie's Venture. So this this part it's very short. It's, it's probably 25, 30 pages in the Library of America. Um, and essentially, she sends Dr. Archie a letter saying, I need your money to go to Germany to finish my studies. I'll pay you back, but I need you to come to New York and talk with me about it. Uh, Archie, of course, can't say no. I think at this point, Archie is getting more and more involved in kind of investments and is living off these these investments. Now that might be a little bit later that he really becomes like a full-time uh, investor of sorts, but he's still in Moon, Moonstone, I guess. And he gets this letter from Thea and he says, okay, I'll go. And he immediately replies saying he'll go and he'll be there in a few days. And so he gets on the train, goes to to New York. Meanwhile, Fred Otenberg and Thea are in New York and talking things out and Fred's position is I have money right his family's rich he's like a brewer he was from a family of brewers it's like our family has my family has money so I want to fund your your education right and Thea doesn't want to do that because it basically implies being obliged to to Fred and maybe there's kind of the promise of marriage in the future and she doesn't want those those kind of um I guess complicate her relationship with Fred so she rejects his money instead she'd rather borrow it from from Archie and then pay Archie back and here's actually Fred's suggestion he says I thought you'd perhaps let me go in on the business end of it and invest along with you you'd put in your talent and ambitions and hard work and I put in the money and while nobody's good wishes are to be scorned not even mine then when things pan out big we could share together your doctor friend hasn't carried half so much as your future as I have He's cared, uh yeah, and then Theo replies, he's cared a good deal. He doesn't know as much about such things as you do. Of course, you've been a great deal more help to me than anyone else has. I'd, I'd have liked your help, helping. I'd like you helping me eight months ago, but now you simply be keeping me. So she's concerned basically that at this point, it's, it's all, for all intents and purposes a marriage if she takes Fred's money, right? For earlier in their life together, when they were more friends she could t- do take a favor perhaps and it would have been not not with this this kind of added baggage of of uh, a romantic relationship and i think there's a lot of heavy theme here um you know since she's going back to her hometown for help but she just she just wants business she just wants a loan she's not asking for anything else from archie and she she's very ambitious at this point that was one of her realizations in the southwest when she was you know, in those cliffside Indian dwellings was her ambition and her desire to be a, a very, very good, like a world famous opera singer. And she's making that choice of betraying and denying her romantic life and her personal life and her family life and her whatever hopes she might have personally. in you know, for relationships or whatever personal happiness. she's setting that aside for for art. And so she's going to be fully committed to that. And that requires burning these bridges and Fred doesn't handle it very well at all to be honest he's very distraught by this and he's he gets kind of beggy and a little bit creepy from time to time in his insistence that she takes the money from him but ultimately she gets the loan from from Archie and she sails off to to um Germany and right at this section ends as she's going off to Germany she thinks about alternative futures and it's you know she we think about how her life could have been and what would have happened to her life had she stayed in Moonstone. And this is what Willa Cather writes quote, the night she, that night she taught in Moonstone again, she beat her pupils in hideous rages. She kept on beating them. She sang at funerals. She struggled at the piano with her sonny. in one dream. She was looking into the hard glass and thinking that she was getting a better look, looking, getting better looking when the glass began to grow smaller and smaller and her own reflection began to shrink until she realized that she was looking into Ray Kennedy's eyes, seeing her face, face in what look in in that look of his in which she could not forget all that once the eyes were Fred Utenberg's not rays all night she heard the shrieking of trains whistling in and out of moonstone she had used to hear them in her sleep when they blew shrill in the winter air but tonight they were terrifying the spectral faded trains that raced with death about which the old woman from the depot used to pray so that's that all that's beside her though I mean that's we actually kind of lose Thea's perspective on things at this point in the novel. In fact, the novel could end here. Uh, It would have been perfectly fine to end the novel here. And I think, I don't know how much you would have gained thematically or how much you would have lost thematically if if she would have just ended the novel at this point. I mean, you know everything. You know, she's going off to become a great musician, right? The fact that she comes back 10 years later on a tour and is that great musician um, doesn't really matter that much, I guess. You know, that's the theme of this novel, all the things she had to give up to pursue her art. And she, they're all listed right here at the end of that chapter, at the end of part four. Or no, it's part five, sorry. Um, Dr. Archie's Venture. Anyways, that's that's the end of part five. Part six is is just called Kronberg 10 Years Later. And it's not called Thea. If you remember, like, in O Pioneers, the last section of that is called Alexandra. And the theme of that is is the character Alexandra asserting her independence. Uh, you know, she spent that whole novel devoted to the mission of her father and the family and the farm. And then she finally makes a choice for herself at the end and that's the choice to marry, what was his name, Carl, right? So that was, so her name is being identified as it, cause she's becoming her own person at that point, right? Here, we don't get, it's not called Thea. It's just called Kronberg. And the reason it is, is is actually because we, when we open up this section where it's 10 years later, we're meeting Dr. Archie. Now he's like fully an investor in different mining companies. He, in fact, ends up doing what Ray Kennedy always wanted to do, which was to invest in these um, different concerns. So he's he's fairly wealthy at this point. Fairly well off. His wife has died. So he's... You know, just just doing that, and he gets this news that there's the, like the opera is coming to town, right? Or there's this opera performance, and he sees the list of singers, and one is just Kronberg, right? It's not Thea Kronberg. It's like the newspaper just wrote Kronberg, and then he he kind of thinks, well, that must be Thea, right? But the the point here is that she's just Kronberg. She's just the artist, right? I think that's the meaning here, right? She's she's she, we don't really see her as a character anymore with her own kind of idea, she's fully ensconced in her art and therefore she's just the performer. In fact, she becomes more and more just the roles. And, and this is something that Kronberg experiences actually when he, I think it's, he's seen Townhauser or maybe it's, no, it's Lohen- Lohengrin. They're all Wagner operas that he, that she's, you know, she's performing in. Now, I know some things about opera. Um, I think, you know, those are very difficult roles, of course, they're very taxing. Uh, especially the sopranos and tenor roles for these Wagnerian. Um, you know, and they're epic roles too. They're you know, they're huge in the operatic repertoire, right? You know, like the Siegfried roles or the Elsas or the Brunhildas. These are really major roles, right, that define careers. And Kronberg, I, yeah, so he's watching Lohengrin. He's watching Lohengrin and she's playing Elsa and Elsa's the... The you know the soprano role in that in that opera, and he loses he he realizes he's not watching Thea like he goes there to see Thea and to see how she's doing on her career and her art and all that, but he she just becomes Elsa, so that's it's a it's kind of thematically what's going on here she's getting lost into her her art, uh, and so in this section she does. So she comes to town. She's on this tour throughout Colorado, and she's performs in various operas. So she does Elsa. I think she does a townhauser role where I think she plays... I think it's Elizabeth, right? Um, I don't think it was Venus. It's, it's, there's two major female roles, and sometimes they're played by the actually the same person. Um, so I think that's Elizabeth in, ta- in townhauser. Then she did, like, a Fricka in The Ring Cycle. I think it was the Rheingold was the one, or maybe it was the Valkyrie. No, because the the Valkyrie is later. Um, so she does Fricka, and she actually reinterprets Fricka. If you don't, if you've never listened to the Ring or, or watched uh, a Ring cycle performed, the Fricka role is kind of a tough one because first of all, it's it's kind of a boring part of the opera. You know, there are there are unfortunately <laughs> some. I guess boring sections of the ring. Not man Not as many of them, in my view, as some people think. But it's it's basically Fricka, who's the wife of Odin, lecturing him on morality. Right. So you can imagine what it's like, and, and not just any morality. Lecturing him on like marriage law and mo, mo, you know the the moral, you know, like contractual obligations and things like that. So, but. She thinks she that this is actually a really interesting role and powerful role, and she's going to reinterpret it in some new way that no one's ever seen before. And that's I, when I was reading that, I'm like, wow, I'd love to see that because, um, you know, that's also a sort of section of those operas, both *The Dying Gold and um, and *The Valkyrie*, where it's, it's kind of hard to get through, you know, if you're not if you're not fully devoted to the art. So she does that, and then but the like the climax of the novel is she gets this role as Siglinda. Um, in the Valkyrie, which is the major soprano role in that opera, and that first that first act of of the Valkyrie, that is Siglinda's act. It's in my view, it's some of the most beautiful music in, in opera history, and it's just a wonderful. So if you it's just if you have an hour, you can listen to that first um, act of of the Valkyrie. It's wonderful in every way. It's it's just like, I think in some ways Wagner's peak. But interestingly, she, earlier in the tour, she got a chance to play the Siglinda in the second act, or maybe it was the third act. Basically, like the person you know singing the role got sick or collapsed or something, and then she got called like literally across town to finish the role like at short notice. And she was the only person nearby who could do it, and she plays it. But if you know the opera, you know that kind of that second. In third act, the cyclinderol is much reduced, right? She spends much of it just kind of running, much of it tired, you know. Kind of, she's pregnant at that point. I don't know if she's not like showing or anything, because it's just a few days. But she's kind of the damsel in distress, mostly in the in those later parts of the operas. And then, you know, she survives the opera, but you know, brunhilde comes down and says, you know, you have to, you have to live for your son or whatever. And before the third opera, the siegfried she's dead so she you know she kind of disappears from the story so she's a weaker role it's really her strength is in that first act it seems to me and that the fact that she first plays it not she doesn't have in the full glory is my point anyways at the climax of the story then she gets to perform as siglinda the whole opera and then there's a really nice moment it's a bit i guess hokey at times but all like the people from her life show up to see her perform at the end you know, so you have hersani I think hersani shows up. Doc, Professor Wunst is gone. He might be dead, but Archie's there. Fred is there. Um, other family members show up. Spanish Johnny is there. There's a really wonderful moment where Spanish Johnny watching her, and he's, like, crying because he's so proud of her and so excited um unfortunately like they all have this emotional connection to Thea but you don't get the same feeling that Thea has that emotional connection to them anymore that she's really kind of reached a different level of achievement she's she's gone beyond the confines and so the the community and the people she grew she you know the people that helped raise her and raise her turn her into an artist have this deep emotion watching her reach these heights of artistic achievement. And she's sort of, you know, just, just, she, she's at that point Siklinda, right? She's not even Thea Kronberg anymore. So that, that's how I read it. Maybe that's not the only way to appreciate this novel, but that, that's sort of my, you know, that's, that's how I read it. Here's a bit of what Kather writes about it. There's a couple passages actually where she reflects on, on the meaning of art and artistic perfection. Quote, artistic growth is, More than it is anything else, a refining of the sense of truthfulness. The stupid believe that to be truthful is easy. Only the artist, the great artist, knows how difficult it is. That afternoon, nothing new came to Thea Kronberg. No enlightenment, no inspiration. She merely came into full possession of things. She had been refining and perfecting for so long. Her inhibitions chanced to be fewer than usual. And within herself, she entered into the inheritance that she herself had laid up. Into the fullness of the faith she had kept before she knew its name or its meaning. Often when she sang, the best she had was unavailable. She could not break through to it. And every sort of distraction and mischance came before, between it and her. But this afternoon, the closed roads opened and the gates dropped. What she had so often tried to reach lay under her hand. She had only to touch the idea to make it live. While she was on stage, she was conscious that every movement was the right movement, that her body was absolutely the instrument of her idea. For no, Not for nothing had she kept it so severely, kept it it filled with such energy and fire. All that deep-rooted vitality flowed into her voice, her face, her very fingertips. She felt like a tree bursting into bloom, and her voice was as flexible as her body, equal to any demand capable of every nuance. With the sense of its perfect companionship, its utter trustworthiness, she had been able to throw herself into the dramatic exigencies on her part. Everything in her at its best, and everything working together. So that's... And that's basically where we leave her. And Willa Cather just says, like, once she performs this, we're done with Thea. Like, you know, essentially her story's over at this point. I would say, you know, in a lot of ways, Thea's story was over um, in the previous part. But, you know, it's still kind of cathartic. And, you know, it's really nice, emotionally satisfying. To see her reach reach her goals right but i i think it's a bit bittersweet because we realize what she's had how many doors she had to close to achieve that right she has to fully commit right even in this passage just talk of she has to get beyond these distractions and these distractions are the things of of life right and the point being that artistic perfection requires the sacrifice of of the personal and the interpersonal and then we have a short epilogue back in Moonstone in 1909. So it's again a few years later and we're with Tilly Kronberg, Thea's aunt, and she is following her career. She finds out that Thea at some point marries Frederick Um, I don't think it's explained how he deals with his, his wife. Maybe she just dies or, or whatever. Um, Tilly is the last Kronberg left in Moonstone. Everyone else has left or, or, or died. And she's very also following this career, but it sounds like Thea really doesn't come back to Moonstone. It's not, you know, she's not even there to see her mom die. Actually, it's it's something I skipped over. You know, that she Thea actually gets a note, you know, that from Doctor Archie. I think that you should you should come back and see your mom. She's not well. And then Thea's like, well, I gotta do this part, right? If I don't do this part, I'll you know my career will hurt, be hurt. And then by the time she finally does. Get back to america she you know her mom already died so that theme comes up again at the end but we don't we're done with the as as um, the author says and we just move on to get our last scene of of moonstone kind of already within a generation being introduced into modernity and already being passed over by by history and i think that's uh you know i don't want to say it quite becomes a ghost town but you get that feel that you know history is moving so fast that it just passes these kinds of places by these these frontier um, towns. Um, so that's it. That's the Song of the Lark. Um, so really, it's a fun novel. I, I you know, people always say like Maya Antonia is her first masterpiece or her real masterpiece, and I don't want to disagree with that or get into that fight. I'm, I'm really not one to really rank these kinds of stories, but. You know, I really like the story because I kind of, because I like opera and I like Wagner. And so it's nice to see an American writer talk about Wagner in a serious way. And, and, you know, it was, I even got to listen to, I I forced myself to listen to some Wagner while I was reading this novel. So I, I like that about it. Um, But it's a, it's a really, I think, interesting story on the conflict between art and the, the personal. And if you see, if you like that movie, uh, Coco, which of course that's a Pixar movie, but that, kind of explore these same themes right of you know the costs of of, of an artistic life and the characters in in coco ch- choose oh you know family or suffer for not choosing family uh thea chooses art uh, at the expense of family and you know we can judge the morality of that decision or whether it's the right decision for her but i think kathir does think that that art is valuable. We, we need that, and that Thea does make the right choice, despite the costs that are there. Um, anyways, that's my overall thoughts. I like the novel very much. and I like the characters. I, I like this town of Moonstone. I like the especially the characters in Thea's life, the people she meets. Um, a lot of things to, to enjoy about this story. Um, but the themes of, of The Song of the Lark, I, I think music, obviously, is a major theme, and uh, the place of of european music and indigenous music is played with a little bit we we have like when she's singing with uh, the mexican community in Moonstown, we get a kind of window into a different type of of music uh, even though they as a classical classically trained singer you know there's other kind of musical traditions played with throughout here so indigenous or i guess vernacular music versus um cl- you know with classics the classics or professional music um uh, the difficulty, the struggles one has to go through to become a musician is there, but music is is lived, yeah, by a lot of characters, not just the yeah. So it's it's really runs throughout the whole story. Um, I think growing up as an artist, like just the the career path of an artist, is is a theme. I don't know if we've seen that quite before. Maybe a little bit in the Troll Gardens, but I don't know if we've seen that in any other works in this series of uh, the, that i've been podcasting on this you know the, the the effort what it takes to become an artist right the struggles that, that one has to go through so just that that kind of development and the ups and downs and the frustration especially coming from a small town and not being taken seriously as an artist early on and or it's not being you know it's not being expected to be an artist right it, it kind of the talent was given to her and it it, it was only revealed later in, in the story. So especially especially singing. Uh, the conflict between art or any career or any craft and life, I think, is is a big one and it's something that's it's almost universal. Not none of us can be not many of us can be as great singers as Thea Kronberg is portrayed to be in this novel, but we all have our crafts, we all have our skills and abilities and talents and you know, whether we cultivate them or not, we, we have them and you know th- to really master them it often requires sacrificing life right you know i i'm by training a historian um, but i chose my family i chose my interpersonal relationships and i deem them more important than my my career and i've, I've faced consequences for that uh, some people manage it quite well and other people don't and so, you know that's that's a choice we all make, um, and there's not a right or wrong answer. I think it's, you know, in a, in effect, I, I might think Catherine almost believes Thea has an ob- a duty, an obligation to history and to art, to pursue her art, and to if she would have just stayed in Moonstone and become a, you know, married Ray Kennedy and became a, you know, sing at funerals and tutored kids in piano, that that would have been a waste. Um, we got a little bit of cool stuff here, really, on the frontier life and deep time. And we got like the deep time portrayed by the the people in the southwest, the Indian communities. I mean, they're are It's kind of she's living in those caves and those cliffside dwellings and things. So she's really close to this Indian history. And she's actually playing like looks exploring their pottery at one point. And this deep time kind of makes her, pushes her to pursue her art. But we also then have this very fragile and quickly changing life in the frontier towns like Moonstone. Like by the end of the story, Moonstone is almost becoming, we get this kind of ghost town feel at the end of the story for it. Um, So the rapidity of change in frontier life versus a deeper, more continual culture is something going on there. Um, Tied to this is, of course, modernity, the modernity brought by the railroad and the market into towns like Moonstone. Uh, And then at the end, the modernity brought by kind of the modern musical culture with the opera tour that brings Thea back to back to her hometown. Um, A lot here on the alienation of the city, especially for young Thea when she goes to Chicago for the first time. When we first meet Chicago, it's described as a barren wasteland. Uh, I don't know if it really is a barren wasteland. Um, I'll reserve my opinion about Northern Chicago, but certainly Thea felt alienated by that, and she was very miserable much of her time in, in the city. Theme here of family, of course, we, we meet all of Thea's family. Although the family is a bit aloof here. Um, I think the family is more here as potential lost opportunities, whether it's the potential family she could have with Ray Kennedy or the type of life she could have had with Fred if she would have picked a more. Uh, I guess, conventional um, career path. Um, but but families here a lot as well. And then the final theme I want to talk about is, is education and the student-teacher relationship. And I guess what really struck me about this is how influential many different people were in Thea's education and how, she, you know, she was kind of raised by the village, right? Who was that? Hillary Clinton. It takes a village. Um, But, you know, I I don't know if if that's what Catherine was really getting at, but, you know, how she was influenced by so many different adults, you know, to a certain degree, her her family, but her aunt, but, you know, really Fred, Professor Wunsk, Hersani, Archie, her, her various teachers, you know they all Ray Kennedy they and she often thinks back on these people and reflects on them and they they it means a lot to her and she and she always thinks back and she, there's a points where she actually talks about what they contributed to her so it's, it's actually kind of an overt point that that she was raised by this this group of people and they've all all in their own way contributed to making her an artist Right, so this it's more of a it's a very different view of education than you know, I guess what we normally have of, of kind of you're in your family and then you go to a public school and a teacher lectures at you or something. And she's much more being brought up in a world where she's interacting with a lot of different adults, not just not just a single teacher. And you know there might be interesting things here to think about if you're interested in maybe like an unschooling or alternative educational models, you know, for you know, that that might be inspirational. So I, I guess that's it. There's probably a lot of other themes, but those are the ones I wrote down. As I said, I, I it's been like a, it's been a little while. It's been almost two weeks since I finished reading *Song of the Lark*, so I probably um, neglected a few things. Um, but I guess that that's good enough. Um, again, I, I love this novel. I you know it's the first time I ever read it, so it, it was a really nice surprise to come across the, the works of of willow Cather. Um, and, I, and I like this one. I, I like. I like the character of Thea Kronberg, uh, at least up into the last section. Archie, Ray Kennedy, these are all really compelling characters. So, that's it. Um, those are my thoughts on um, Song of the Lark. If you have your own thoughts about the Song of the Lark, your own opinions, please leave a comment below or send me an email at 100 pagescastgmailcom at gmail.com so I can... Um, Write those down, respond to them, think about them. Um, obviously I'm I'm only scratching the surface of, of these these works in the in these episodes. Next up, I'll be looking at my Antonia, and I'll do two episodes on My Antonia. And then I think by then I'll I won't be able to finish this volume of Willa Cather's work. There's one more novel in this volume. Uh, it's one of ours, which is her World War I novel. That's the one that won, I think people are surprised. Surprise. I'll have to do that one from Wisconsin, I guess, because I'll be soon going to Wisconsin for the summer. But um no big deal. I'll just do it from there. So um as always, thanks again for listening, and I look forward to sharing my thoughts on my Antonia uh, with you. I just finished the novel not long ago. So that novel is a little bit fresher in my mind than that last than the Song of the Lark. So thanks, as always, and I'll see you next time.